1: Inside Sources. Inside, Inside Sources. America's Voice of Reason. Boyd Matheson
0: on Utah's Home for Elevated Conversation.
1: Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. If you travel across America's 50 states, you'll find a very diverse, pluralistic society. Uh, the headlines, of course, always focus on our differences blue states, red states, people of faith, people without faith. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. dreamed of a beloved community. So, how do we overcome our polarized society to create the kind of caring community that Dr. King aspired? People of faith and faith leaders have an important role to play in bringing that beloved community to life. But what is that role? And what is the role of faith in the public square? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We are thrilled to have joining us on the program today James Patton he is the uh, CEO of the International Center for Religion and Diplomacy and he has conducted international development conflict trans, uh, transformation and that's such I love that combination of words conflict transformation social reconciliation for over two decades and many countries and is part of just an extraordinary event, a student conference on religion in the public square. And we'll be leading a session up at Aspen Grove. I think everyone's going to be snowed in there for a little while, but talking about this whole idea of leading across a narrow bridge, supporting faith leaders in a pluralist democracy. And James, thanks so much for making time for us today.
2: Oh, it's a great pleasure and honor. Thank you for having me.
1: So let's dive right on in. First of all, uh, for our listeners, uh, share just a little bit about the International Center for Religion and Diplomacy. I think it has such important work that uh, impacts so many different areas beyond what we think of in terms of religion or faith, uh, but how we actually solve problems in community, and government, uh, and society.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so ICRD, which will save us uh, some time using the acronym, <laughs> ICRD. <laughs> Was was founded by Dr. Douglas Johnson, and, and just to give a little bit of a very brief background, so you understand kind of where he was coming from. He he himself is devoutly religious, but he is also devoutly pluralistic. And he was uh, in the the policy world. He was a former military officer, and he was looking at our foreign policy around particularly conflict related issues and said, we just don't take religion seriously enough mm. uh, in the real politic world of the late nineties. When he was making this argument, you know, he said, everyone looks at power politics and I think religion is just kind of ephemeral thing that that's either irrational or just doesn't really play into people's decisions uh, when it comes to intercommunal or interstate relationships. And he said, you know, we do this at our own peril. This is a this is not only an important, but maybe the most important identity element for a, a huge percentage of the global population. I mean, Pew reported that 84% of the global population self-identifies as religious, and if we don't think about how that moves people to look at one another and how they behave towards one another, then we are really at best operating with one hand tied behind our backs. And, and at worst we're, we're doing harm. And I think, you know, in the post nine 11 period, people really kind of caught on to what he was trying to say, maybe not in the best way, because then it became, well, religion is just part of the problem. You know, yeah. we have to look at religion because religion can cause horrible, you know, conflict between people who disagree with each other. Now I really, is grounded in the idea that, yeah, there are obviously religious actors and religious narratives that mobilize people to do grotesque things, but the vast majority of religious people in the world are not ideologically inclined towards violence. How do we mobilize them to be part of the solution? How do we really look at the best of our faith traditions across religious identities and work together to solve shared problems, particularly the ones that are pushing us to try to do harm to one another. So ICRD is somewhat unique in the sense that we work on religion in conflict and in foreign policy spaces, but we are not ourselves a religious organization. We're not grounded in a particular faith tradition, although we have members of every faith and no faith who are actively part of the board or our support network, or are the professionals uh, who are doing the conflict resolution work
1: around the world. Yeah. And it's so powerful when you start looking at it that way. Of course, we had Barbara Brown Taylor on earlier this week, uh, talking about holy envy uh, and how we can uh, see the good and see God in the faith of other people. Uh, And then how all of that comes to the public square uh, in an age where a lot of people say, "Well, you can have your faith, but you know, keep it in the mosque or the synagogue or in your closet. Uh, don't don't bring that into the public square." Uh, and yet, as, as you pointed out, it's so important that it is in the public square, and it actually can yeah. be part of the solution rather than being pointed at or, or as you termed it, uh, bludgeoned as part of the problem.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, it's there anyway. So we we may hope to work around our or other people's faiths when we're talking about how to live together. Um, But it's in the room. And so in in my experience, if we don't proactively engage people's belief systems, and they can be non-religious belief systems, but the ones that guide their sense of who they are in the world and how they should relate to other people, uh, then we're leaving that in the hands of people who will use it. And they will use it to advance their own interests, and those are not always... Constructive, uh, so we have to we have to really empower ourselves to understand how to locate what is important and meaningful in the spiritual framework of others. I, identify the things that we can connect with in those frameworks to share collaborative efforts to to build a space and a community where we can all thrive, yeah. and that requires not only uh, understanding and permitting that kind of faith diversity and and diversity around ideals and and values, but it requires that we also are are manifesting the best of who we are, that we're not shy about what pushes us to do good things in the world. So, you know, we, we look for mechanisms where those things can find a safe place to engage one another. And that, of course, you know, that's very abstract uh, in our work internationally that manifests in many, many different ways from removing hateful and intolerant materials together with the Ministry of Education in Saudi Arabia mm. to empowering women of faith peace builders in Myanmar or to helping former combatants reintegrate in communities in Colombia. So it's mm. very different around the world. and And you sort of hinted at one thing. Which is now we're taking all that 25 years of experience and we're turning back to our domestic space and saying, hey, maybe maybe here we need a little bit of that uh, kind of elevating the best of who we are. Because right. we're facing down some pretty tough problems here in, in our communities domestically.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm glad you went there, uh, James, because I, that we've been focused a lot of late on the, on the beloved community. Uh, and where we do have such a, you know, weaponization of words and demonizing those that disagree with you uh, and, uh, you know, get, getting all out to the hate and contempt uh, that is so often the, the blocker of that beloved community or a society that's just uh, thriving and flourishing. Uh, And so break that down for us as you as you turn your attention to some of the domestic opportunities uh, that we should be talking about in our states and in our communities. Uh, What does that look like?
2: Well, it's it's a challenge um, around how do we live what we believe without insisting that the others believe the same thing? You know, and honestly, we've we've retreated into such stark Polarized and reductionist identity Mm -hmm. groups, right now, where all across the board, you're seeing people say, I am a thing, you are the opposite thing, those are incompatible. Yeah. You know, we're essentializing our own identity and the identity of the other, and then we're putting them in existential conflict, which is to say, yours can't thrive while mine thrives at the same time. And therefore, the only option is to eliminate. Marginalize or destroy the other And this is what we've seen in places That have suffered really horrible violence And honestly, that is not the truth of human identity Uh, Most of our identities are very diverse and and multiple You know, so yeah, I may be, you know, the head of an NGO I'm also a dad I'm also a former soccer player before I tore my knee You know, but all of those different things Put me in touch with people who share that But are different in other ways and unfortunately, I feel like we are whittling away that multiplicity of identity mm. to ret- into these singularities that are incompatible. Yeah. And once you do that, the room for discourse and dial- dialogue is very hard. So one of the things we're doing right now domestically is we're working with self-described conservative faith leaders on how do you be a, how, how do you generate discipleship in a time like this? What's the best of that faith framework? In a space where people who adhere to those traditions feel persecuted and even reactive right. in ways that might create conflict and violence. And right. how do they help guide their believers, not to a different belief framework, not to even to a different sociopolitical framework, but to a different conclusion about how they have to interact with the other.
1: We're going to stay with the conversation uh, with James Patton. He's the president and CEO of the International Center for Religion and Diplomacy. Uh, He's here in the state of Utah as part of the Wheatley Institute's seventh annual student conference on religion in the public square. And they're focusing with students from across the country on the importance of religious literacy to a functioning and healthy democracy and how you actually create better solutions. And we'll have more of that coming up next. Stay with us. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio.
0: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night.
1: Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do.
0: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything.
2: It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it.
0: I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, Follow the letter at the LetterPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason on
0: inside sources.
1: We're going to stay with the conversation. If you're just joining us, we've been talking with James Patton. He is the president and CEO of the International Center for Religion and Diplomacy. He's here in the state of Utah as part of the Wheatley Institute's seventh annual conference to teach students about how faith leaders can minister to a polarized community and how that can actually help us solve a wide range of problems. Of course, we've been talking today about President Zelensky, how he created this national patriotism that actually celebrated diversity in his country, a truly pluralistic approach to nationalism. It's uh, truly amazing. Uh, I think it's part of the secret sauce that President Zelensky has been able to use to galvanize his people and the world over the course of the war of the last year. Uh, So I wanted to ask uh, James about uh, this context. He talked about uh, this context of the conservative faith community and what can be done uh, to make sure that those conversations are moving forward or using some of the strategies and tactics President Zelensky did to expand his community.
2: Well, obviously, you know, I, I said we're working with conservative faith actors. Now, you don't polarize by yourself, right? I mean, <laughs> with, this is not one community that That's is right <laughs> causing this. It just happens to be a place where we have good entry points. We have good colleagues. Mm-hmm. We have the overlay of religion and potential conflict, which is where our strength is. So it's where we're starting. But eventually, it's meant to be a bridging conversation that allows us to reclaim what I think is the American identity. We hear a lot about our way of life, right? And I think for me personally, and I may be unpopular, uh, this may be an unpopular view, but I think the whole American experiment is about how do you get people together who fundamentally disagree and enshrine the the value and uplift and protect the value of that very disagreement? How do you build institutions that put people who disagree together and they build an imperfect reaction in response to their disagreement. Mm. And guess what? If you don't like them, throw them out, put different people in in two, <laughs> exactly. four, or six years. Try again. Yeah. Because our realities are our, our understanding of each other. Even our demographics will evolve. So our structures and responses to those have to evolve. Now, is that imperfect? Will that not serve some people in the moment? Yeah. yeah. But what's the alternative? Yeah. The alternative is the rest of human history, which is one group gets to decide for everybody else what's right. Unless it's your group, that most people are cool with that idea. Because what happens if the other group gets in charge and forces you to do what they want? Shouldn't we continually renew the structures and institutions that allow us to be different but not murder each other over it. Yeah. Right. And and I think we have a lot we could talk about, we don't have the time for it, about how our institutions may be under a lot of stress and and the breaking in regards to functioning that way. So what are the appropriate responses? And and our program really looks to faith yeah. and faith leaders. To be part of that solution, how do you build those appropriate responses into your community? Let's start there.
1: Uh, I, I love that. Uh, it reminds me. Uh, one of our favorite guests uh, on the show is uh, Reverend Amos Brown from the historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco, and uh, he has a just a beautiful. Uh, rendition of uh, we're not a melting pot we're a salad bowl uh, where we can appreciate the differences and we don't have to change it we don't all become well, oneness is not sameness uh, and that's so yeah. important and uh, I want to jump quickly to uh, to the roundtable that you're doing there with the students uh, really talking about how do you lead across that narrow bridge tell us what you're doing with the students and what you hope the, the therefore what is for these students as they come away from this experience
2: yeah Yeah, well, this is a pretty extraordinary event, and I've been part of it for about a decade now. And every year, students come from all over the country up into these glorious hills up above Sundance uh, at the invitation of Brigham Young University's Wheatley Institute and sit down together and grapple with a thorny problem around religion in the public sphere. And we get people of all faiths and none sitting together with you know, at LDS uh, members who are obviously a big part of this program, they say, hey, what do we know? What do we hope to know? How can we in literally three days with people we've never met before go from a few readings that inspire our interest to an actual program and policy or policy proposal that will make change? And how do we describe that change? How do we describe the pro- the problem? And how do we describe how we know we're making change? So you've got undergraduate students who have met for the first time and within 72 hours are telling you how they can affect the world with religion as part of that solution. Wow. And they are not of the same faith. Some of them come without a faith tradition, don't want a faith tradition, but they're all curious about one another. They're all curious about how does your perspective help? And so it's a little microcosm in a way of the kind of thing that we try to do more broadly in communities. And, in fact, I wish more people knew about it because it's a real example of what's possible. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just always impressed, and we try our best as roundtable chairs, the, the four or five of us who are here every year, not to really force any guidance on them. And so the ideas that they come up with are really remarkable, mm. and it can be a- wide as like mailboxes on Native American territory to improve communications or voting rights. It can be how to use public libraries as a natural place to get people to meet across different Uh, It can be things on religious literacy and public education. It's really remarkable, the wide breadth of things that
1: that emerge. Uh, Absolutely love that. And I wish we could uh, import all of Congress uh, up there to watch, (laughs) Uh, to (laughs) see how that plays out. But uh, uh, James Patton, so grateful to have you on the program today. This is important work. Uh, We all should lean into these conversations. And we look forward to having you back to continue this uh, crucial conversation, this critical dialogue I think that is really the heart and soul of what we need as a nation and what we need around the world. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Again, that's part of the Wheatley Institute's seventh annual student conference on religion in the public square. Again, this focus on the importance of religious literacy to a functioning and healthy democracy. And one of the things that James said that just keeps reverberating in my mind is just how curious the students are. Uh, Again, all different backgrounds and experience, some of faith, some not of faith, but just coming together to solve problems. And I love the way James framed it, that as you stay curious and you start to ask, how does a different perspective help? So you may not agree with somebody's solution, but if you can at least stay curious and say, well, I wonder why... She thinks that's the best solution. Or I wonder where he's coming from that makes him believe that this would be a good policy way to go about solving that problem. Uh, as long as we stay curious, we've got a chance. It's when we stop being curious and we start to boxing each other out and boxing each other off that we end up with just division with no solution. And so I love this is great work by the Wheatley Institute. And uh, again, big thanks to James Patton for uh, joining us for the discussion today. We will go ahead and step aside for some bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around.
0: It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison.
1: Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today.